We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. You know, I can be one of the most religious people in West Michigan, one of the most moral people in West Michigan, one of the most Christian people in West Michigan, and still not know God. This was Paul's story, Paul from the Bible. When Paul was a young man, he was a zealous, observant Jew. He just stood out among all of his peers. He was a religious superstar, and he knew it. And he claimed to be faultless. He was a far-right conservative who was on a mission to stamp out the radical left, if you want to put it in today's terms. And Jesus had to wreck him to save him. And so it is with me. Jesus has to wreck me to save me. Here's Bible teacher Rod Van Sokema. Much of Paul's younger life, he thought he knew God. But listen, Paul didn't know God because he was steeped in religion. And what do I mean by religion? Religion is what I do. It's what I perform and give to God. Religion is all about me instead of what God does, what God performs and gives to me. Religion is where all my confidence is in me. It's in my goodness. It's in my ability to look good and to do good. And I'll tell you this, religion is a very heavy burden to bear because it's the burden of self that someone is bearing, of proving oneself justifying oneself. It's just this treadmill of performing it. I got to do more. I got to be more. And so many upstanding, even spiritual people go the way of religion. And Paul in his early life, he, he played this game. In fact, I think you could say he played this game better than anyone else. He thought it. Listen to what he says. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in self, I have more I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to God's word, I'm a Pharisee. As for passion, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness, based on Torah, I was perfect. But here's the problem with this game. You can even be a religious superstar like Paul. You may walk in a room like this and think you're better than Nine-tenths of the people in this room. But anyone who plays this religious game loses. Because the Bible says no one is righteous. Not one. In another place, the Bible says even our best acts of righteousness are but filthy rags in the eyes of a holy God. And you want to get right down to the core of who we are? Listen to what Jeremiah 17 says. This is God talking. The heart is more deceitful than all else. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? And Paul, in his religion, in those younger days, he's oblivious to all this. He thinks he's the best in God's eyes. He doesn't even know that he's actually fighting against God, that he has become God's enemy. But Jesus loves Paul. Jesus pursues Paul. Jesus encounters Paul. Paul, Paul, why are you against me? Why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, who is it, Lord? It's Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And see, in that moment, 
everything that Paul thinks about himself, everything that Paul thinks about God, it all unravels and falls apart. And the whole basis for Paul's identity at this point in his life, I'm an Israelite, I'm a Benjaminite, I'm the head of my class, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees, and as to God's law, I'm perfect. At this moment, it all unravels. He's undone, as Isaiah would say. And Jesus wrecks Paul so that he can remake Paul, where Paul can go from thinking he's this millionaire spiritually, look at all my spiritual assets that I offer you, God, that I offer the world, to literally being a spiritual beggar, the poorest of the poor, spiritually. In fact, the last letter that Paul will write, he will say, I, Paul, am chief of sinners. He believes that. And until you and I get to that place, we'll never know Christ. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the spiritual beggars. Blessed are those who understand their their spiritual poverty. That is what a Christian is. And it's the prerequisite to knowing Christ. That's my friend Rod Van Sulkema. And wow, you know, that is just, that's convicting. Right. You know, this isn't just for, you know, somebody who doesn't know Christ yet, but this is for me. You know, I have to offload my self-righteousness and my pride Mm -hmm. so often, maybe every single day I need to, because I attach moral worth to so many things, you know, as my badge of honor, my accomplishments, my achievements, my family, and, you know, those things, you know, have to be offloaded. If I'm finding my identity, my sense of I'm okay. I'm a good person in anything but Christ. I have to get rid of that Mm -hmm. and just repent again and come back to, you know, I am that much of a mess that Jesus needed to die for me. And, and, and like to get into the kingdom, we need to be poor in spirit, but to continue to walk out this journey and be growing in Jesus, we need to, I need to come back to being poor in spirit. I think at the heart of I'll say most, I'm really tempted to say all, but I think at the heart of most sin is pride. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anybody thinks of themselves as a prideful individual. So how do we get away with it? How do, you know, how do we, how do we get enticed by sin and, you know, let pride stay inside of us without knowing it? And I think one of the keys to it is paying attention to where we feel entitled. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, entitlement is kind of a a measuring stick of pride. (laughs) You feel like I ought to have this. I deserve this. You know, I'm, I'm worthy of, or yeah, I just think it's a a mirror that might show where there's pride in our heart. Yeah. So Lord, we don't want to be pointing the finger at somebody else and saying, look at how religiously proud they are. But Lord, we want to have you look into our own hearts, search me and try me, test me and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me, Lord, in the way everlasting. Help me to treasure Christ so much because 
I know I'm so poor. I need the wealth of Christ. Lord, just keep working that into my heart. Uh, Good morning to you. A few days ago, I woke up just feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders. Do you ever have days like that? Today. Yeah? Today. Yeah. I mean, it's not like every single day, but there are just days when... Yeah, you just wake up and everything's right there at the front of your mind, reminding you kind of all the big things in life that, you know, are weighing on life. So there are a lot of legitimate reasons that I felt overwhelmed on this particular day. I had concerns for my immediate family members. I was feeling, you know, the concerns for aging parents and what's going on with their health and their circumstances. I had financial concerns. There were decisions that I needed to make. And some of the stress that I was feeling was even good stress, but it was stress nonetheless. And a friend of mine, completely unrelated to all of this, just challenged me to simply be still and hear what God had to say to me. So I did. I started just by saying, I love you to God. And then I quieted myself to just listen to him. And within me, I heard a familiar voice. God, God's word says, you know, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. That's John 10, 27. So I heard this familiar voice say, first, oh girl, I love you too. (laughs) (laughs) And then I heard, I've got you. (laughs) And I did not even know how much I needed to hear that until it was spoken. And immediately I felt the weight of the world just (sighs) lift off my shoulders and I felt safe and I experienced peace. And it wasn't because anything in my circumstances had changed. It was in spite of my circumstances being what they were because nothing had changed, but I had changed. First Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. (sighs) Oh, my friend, I don't know what's weighing on your heart this morning, but I do know that the father sees you and he loves you and he cares. However you may be feeling today, it's going to be okay. He's got you. You know, what I love so much about the Lord is that he has looked into my life and he has seen what's not there and then has called it out in me. In Brendan Manning's uh, Ragamuffin Gospel, he says, listen to this, God loves what in us is not yet. God loves what in us is not yet, what has still come to birth. What we love in a person is what already is, virtue, beauty, courage, and hence our love is self-interested and fragile. God, loving what is not yet in us and putting faith in us, continually begets or gives birth in us, since love is what begets. By giving us confidence, God helps us to be born, since love is what helps us emerge from our darkness and draws us to the light. And this is such a fine thing to do that God invites us to do the same for others. This is just, to me, so beautiful that not only does God see what's already in me and call it out, but God sees what not what is not in me and creates it with his word and then brings it out. You know, this is this is what I have seen in my journey. When I collided into grace at 18, God saw 
what I could become in him. Jesus saw what I could become in him, but it wasn't in me yet. And when he crashed into me and his grace embraced me in my sin, it began, it gave birth to what I, what I would become and what I will become. Yeah. And Does that make is, sense? Yeah. This is a quote from the Ragamuffin Gospel. Yep. Good news for the bedraggled, beat up, and burnt out by Brendan Manning. So when I turned, yes, it does make sense. When I turned 35 years old on that morning, it happened to be a Sunday, and I was in worship, and I I saw in my mind's eye, I had a vision. In my mind's eye, I saw I was a toddler, and Jesus was standing in front of me with his hands extended towards me, like inviting me to come, come, come to me. And I started to kind of, you know, walk towards him very um, innocently, very, you know, I felt very safe, but just kind of unknowingly, just like walking towards him. And then in a moment, I was 35 and I fell down with my face to the ground in front of Jesus and just aware of who he was and so aware of my own sinfulness and just humbled and, you know, just fell before him. And then he reached out to kind of like take me by the hand and help me get up. And as I was going from down to up again, I was like 80. Mm. And now I'm looking at him with like all the understanding of who he is and all the understanding of my past. And I was at peace again. I was so much more like the toddler than I was, but with all the knowing, not Mm -hmm. the unknowing, but with the knowing, just feeling so good about going to Jesus and being with him. And one of the things that, that was it. It was very, very short. But one of the things I took away from that was God is not confined to time. So when he sees me, he sees all of me. He sees who he created me to be mm-hmm. before I ever took my first breath, all that he had planned and ordained for me. He sees the fully redeemed me, of who I'm going to be for all of eternity in heaven, that girl That's what he sees right now when he looks at me at the middle of my sinfulness, in the middle of my life, in the middle of right now where I'm at, he sees all of me. Mm -hmm. And I, and that's how I reconcile this quote that God loves what is in us. God loves what in us is not yet because he sees the fullness of who we are. He doesn't Mm -hmm. see us stuck in this moment in time. And it's, it's his word and it's his presence. It's his word and it's his spirit that creates in us what is not yet, that gives birth to what is not yet in us. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, it's looking at him, realizing we are image bearers. The more we look at him, the more we reflect his image and the not yet gets called out in us. Mm. God says to you and me from Isaiah 43, forget the former things. Don't dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. A, I'm doing a creative thing. I am speaking to you to give you life where there is no life. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert right there in your heart. If you feel worthless, broken, beat up, if you know you're a failure, a sinner, an outcast, if you feel shameful, pitiful, rotten, ugly, if you feel like you're never good enough, that you never measure up, that you can never live up to your own standards, let alone someone else's, if you feel any of these things, listen, 
Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Here's Bible teacher Rod Van Sulkema. When I have intimacy with Jesus, my most intimate moments with him, it's never because I've come to him feeling so full spiritually. It's always when I come to him feeling spiritually empty, depleted. When I feel spiritually like I've drifted or sometimes when I've really drifted. And it's in that place of emptiness that Christ, he looks so good. And his grace isn't just grace, it's, it's amazing grace. And, and the cross, which, which sometimes it, it can be, you know, a nice cross. Isn't it nice that Jesus died on that cross? And think about Paul. Paul went from boasting about himself to literally boasting about the cross of his Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you are undone, when you are wrecked to the core, when you're broken and you see the sinful parts and pieces still in your life, that cross is everything. Christ is everything. And you see how much he loves you in spite of you and how much he did for you. And then repentance in those moments. You talk about experience. You get the father's kiss. You get his embrace. This is why Paul can say, I count everything. It's all rubbish. It's garbage compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Can you say that today? Everything's a loss compared to knowing Christ. Your paycheck, achievements, any recognition, material possessions, houses, cars, children, anything that you have, all loss, garbage, rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ. I mean, we can get so used to Christianity, going to church, organizing, serving, making things happen that we forget what this whole thing is about. It's all about, it's knowing Jesus. Because whether you know this or not right now, our relationship with Christ is the most important thing in the world. It's more important than our family. It's more important than our jobs. It's more important than anything that we possess. It's more important than any dream that we're dreaming. It's more important than any love in our life. It's more important than any circumstance that we are facing because we were made for God to know him, to walk intimately with him, to love him with everything we have. My question, do you know him? If you're not in that place, have the guts to just admit it. Just say, God, I pray that knowing you would be the driving passion of my life. And I confess that I need your help. And I do too. Paul is talking in Philippians 3. You know, I consider everything a loss compared to their surpassing greatness, worth, of Jesus Christ. You know, everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth of Jesus. And I have to say, you know, I'm not there. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I see Jesus as worth way more than all these other things. I want to be there. It's in my heart. But I'll have the guts to admit that I don't think I'm there. I'm I'm there sometimes, and it's usually when I'm really, really broken, and I know that all I have is Jesus. That's it right there. Yeah. I mean, in the brokenness, in, in day-in and day-out life, it's so tempting to feel you know, entitled to our desires and to want to have those desires met and to feel like, why shouldn't I? 
be able to have those desires met. And in our brokenness, when we really come to what we deserve Mm. based on our behavior, based on the position of our hearts, you know, the stuff even that we think, maybe we never even act on it. It just happens internally, the thoughts that we have. Yeah. That, you know, we are deserving of death. That That's the that's the punishment for sin is death. Yep. And when we We're, realize that we've been saved from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, here's what I'm thinking right now is that, you know, when it comes to my time, to cross the River Jordan, so to speak, mm-hmm. and and go to be with Jesus, no one's going to take that journey with me. I'm on my own, except for that Jesus is going to take my hand and walk me across that river into eternal wonder. You know, and that just puts this in perspective for me. My relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in my life. He's the only one that's going to be there when my time comes. Right. And he, you know, the invitation to walk with Jesus is not just that he would be standing waiting as you go to cross the Jordan, but that he's standing waiting today. His hand is outstretched and we Mm -hmm. can take his hand now and walk through this day so that when that day comes, it's just another day of walking with Jesus. I thought you were prophesying there for a moment about what was going to happen to me today. (laughs) (laughs) You're crossing the Jordan today, Perry. (laughs) No, may it not be so. Take away time, and you're thinking, take away? I just started listening. I don't have anything. That's okay. We're going to post this show later on at your favorite podcast platform or at perryandshauna.org. So my takeaway for today, and we've had a lot of conversations about just Jesus being central and Jesus being everything, and I just, I'm so mindful this morning of how in a million small ways I long for things that I think are going to settle my needy heart. And Jesus is right here just watching, watching me turn to those things and knowing how empty they are. And he's just waiting for me to see that he really is enough, mm-hmm. that he really is everything. Just give me Jesus. We just played that song by Matt Redman, The Heart of Worship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's where I'm at right now. Um, let's see. Heart of Worship. I'll bring you more than a song. Uh, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, to valuing, seeing Jesus as of ultimate worth. I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that I've made it because mm-hmm. it's all about you. And and I just recently, I just, I God's just showing me I've, I'm making it about me again, mm-hmm. making it about me again. And, and, uh, you know, my daughter, she shares prayer requests with me and she's said, you know, just pray that whenever, whenever I make it about my kingdom, that I'll quickly see it and repent. And it's so right there. that's where I'm at. I'm at repentance. I'm at the, I'm pivoting again. Yeah. And I'll, I'm, I'm going to do it again. Yes. It's going to happen again. <laughs> I know. It's going to happen again. I know. And I'm, I'm just pivoting. I'm making a full pivot 
you know, to what it's all about. It's, it's about a relationship with Jesus. And I, I, earlier in the show, you know, it just occurred to me that there's only one person who's going to be there at the end of my life to walk me across that river into the great unknown. Nobody else, Mm -hmm. not my achievements, not even my best friend on earth, my bride. No no one's going to be there for me except Jesus. And Jesus is enough. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.